0: The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. All right, let's take our Bibles, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. I can't tell you how much I have enjoyed both of the books that we are going through. Sunday morning, it's a book of Ephesians. Sunday night, it's 1 Thessalonians. And uh, each of them are crucial and critical in really understanding uh, the church life dynamic, what God is wanting to do in and through a local church. Uh, In the morning time in Ephesians, we have looked at our identity, the wealth we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're focusing now on our walk as uh, believers and that we ought to walk worthy. And then we're going to get to the last chapter, which is our warfare. And so Ephesians has just been... just tremendously helpful to me and I know to our church family. But 1 Thessalonians is near and dear to my heart because it's really a letter written to a church plant. And uh, these are fairly young believers. God is using the Apostle Paul to encourage them. Uh, Of course, they're experiencing tremendous persecution. The Bible tells us there in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, even before Paul came, he talked about how he suffered, verse number 2, before and was shamefully entreated. Later on in this chapter, he uh, shares with the reality that they also have experienced some of that of their own countrymen, verse 14. And so here's a, a young group of believers that are really going through the fire. Uh, They're they're new in the faith. They've turned from idols to serve the true and living God. Uh, They are zealous to get out the good news of the gospel from you, the Bible says, has sounded out the word of the Lord, not just in their hometown of Thessalonica, not just in Macedonia, that region, but also all the way down to southern Greece, Achaia. Uh, And and Paul says, man, you're doing such a great job. I don't have to say anything. Uh, Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful for that to happen here in Simi Valley? Where we can go out to people, oh, I've already talked to one of your people. Oh, yeah, they've already shared the gospel with me. Oh, yeah, I already got one of these. Wouldn't that be wonderful to to start happening so that as as we are saturating this area with the gospel of Jesus Christ, people are are getting second and third and fourth and, and fifth confrontations. That's what was happening in this young church. And so we have just gone verse by verse through this marvelous book. We find ourselves now in chapter number four. And uh, to be honest, there was one last point uh, last week that I wasn't able to get to. The Lord just wouldn't let me finish it. And I'm glad because, you know, sometimes we have things like Labor Day pop up. And you say, how in the world do you get a message about Labor Day? Well, the Lord did that by letting me not finish the message last Sunday uh, because the last point had to do with a work ethic. And then we go right into some teaching on the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so some of you know that old hymn, We'll Work Till Jesus Comes. That's our theme tonight, all right? Uh, How are we in these days to be living as children of God? Well, we ought to be occupying until He comes. We ought to be serving our God, living fully for Him. So follow along as I begin reading. Verse number 11 is where we left off. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11. And that ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. So that's going to be our first point here tonight, those two verses, and we're going to look at our work. The second point tonight begins there in verse number 13. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain uh, shall uh, remain unto the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep. for the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Our work and our watching tonight uh, will work till Jesus comes. Lord, help me. God, I pray that you just arrest my mind, and my, my mouth, my tongue, my lips. Lord, help me to be just uh, filled with your Spirit so that, uh, God, your Word can be clearly communicated to each of our hearts. Thank you for the Sunday night, crew, and, Lord, the, the desire to just grow in their uh, walk with you. I pray that the message would help each and every one of us as we seek to be a good testimony in this world and then to be watchful for your return. We ask now this, uh, your blessing on this service, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, first of all, let's begin with our first point tonight. If you need a a handout, Brother Chris has got some, I'm sure, just lift your hand and and, uh, he'll get one to you. But let's begin with the believer, uh, the believer's work, all right, his work. And I want to speak tonight on a work ethic and something that we find throughout the Word of God, but it's highlighted here in these last two verses, and that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Isn't it interesting as you look through the life of the Lord Jesus Christ as He's gathering His disciples that He's looking for busy workers? You know, one of the callings of every child of God is to be a servant of God. And that as a servant of God, it really deals with understanding that God wants us to be laborers. Matter of fact, the only prayer that Jesus ever prayed or prayer pray request was pray for laborers. He asked us to pray for labor. So Jesus was looking for labors. Jesus was looking for disciples that were busy. So is it any wonder Peter, Andrew, James, and John, as he observed them out there fishing away, uh, that was a hard life. That was a busy life. Uh, Can you imagine getting up early in the morning to go fishing? And then you're taking your boat and you're you're pushing it off. And boy, if there's a little bit of a breeze, maybe you can set your sail. If not, you're rowing. And uh, you're trying to get there to the deep where all the fish are. Uh, you, you, you work away, uh, you, you, you catch what you can, you bring it in the boat, you get back to land. Uh, there you're dealing with uh, the fish and then you're cleaning your nets and then you go home so you can do it all over again tomorrow. Uh, these men were laborers. They were busy. They had a work ethic and what we see here in the text is uh, the reality that God's people need to learn how to do their own business and to work with their hands. And the admonition was, listen, work, work. The Bible is filled with just all ki- kinds of examples of uh, laborers for the Lord, busy for the Lord. And I'll tell you what, one of the things that Paul in that church at Ephesus made clear was redeem, uh, the, redeem the time. Uh, to be redeeming redeeming the time, buying it back, making sure that we're uh, busy about our Father's business. And uh, so as we look at this thought of our work, uh, I want us to share uh, just a couple thoughts from the text. Number one, uh, why should we be busy about the Master's business? Letter A, it protects us from an idle life. You know, you can't be a servant of God if you don't know how to work. If we don't develop a work ethic, can I tell you, most of our Christianity is going to crumble. What I mean by that is, is if we are just idle, uh, it does take work to live the Christian life in such a way that's pleasing and honoring to God. It takes work uh, to get in your car on one of the hottest days in, in our calendar year and, and drive to church. Uh, To come back in the evening when I know you are really comfortable in the afternoon at your house. It takes work to get up and read your Bible. It takes work to uh, set time aside to pray. It takes work to be conscious to witness uh, for others. Can I tell you? Uh, It is folks that really understand the importance of laboring that are protected from an idle life. Why is that so important? Well, we're going to talk about the second coming of Christ. And one of the things that happens at the second coming of Christ is we stand uh, there before the Lord. And uh, there we have our life on display. And we're going to have the gold, silver, and precious things remain. And the wood, hay, and stubble are going to be burned up. And And uh, a work ethic helps us not to live idly in this world, but invest our life in the work of God. I can't tell you how it thrills me that that these projects that are going on literally all over the uh, building are because there are uh, folks in our church that have a a real work ethic. Not just to provide for their families, but also to invest in the work of God. Uh, You know, it starts on Mondays around here. We get prepared for the next Sunday. Uh, We have uh, all kinds of people that come in throughout the work and they're busy at it. Uh, during this construction time we've got so much on the floors and yet we'll have men that'll come in early in the week and they'll mop every square foot of these hallways. Why? Because they have a work ethic. Uh, They know that their service is to the Lord, not to man. Uh, there'll be people that'll be cleaning restrooms. There'll be people that'll be taking trash out. There'll be people that'll be out uh, doing the uh, windows. There's uh, someone that comes early in the week and just cleans the coffee shop, and they go at it. There's folks that come in, and they just take a, 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 an area, and they say, we're going to vacuum that area. We've got one of our men just every week comes in and vacuums every square inch of this auditorium. Uh, we've got folks here that uh, prepare our, our, our gift bags. We have people that provide uh, the, uh, the things that you're looking at there on the wall and, and uh, uh, putting these notes together and, and putting the slides together. We have uh, folks that are, are laboring in the children's ministry. And can I tell you something? To be in our children's ministry, you better know how to work. Uh, Lydia, the taskmaster. All right, I see her uh, after church. Boy, she's got them all corralled in a room, and they don't get to go home to lunch. They got to listen to Lydia, and uh, it takes some work, doesn't it? It's it's setting aside time that you could have for something else. All of our music ministry. What is it? It's people investing. They're working. They're coming. There are folks that were coming in here at four o'clock this afternoon, preparing musically so that we can enjoy. Uh, the services as we're lifting up praise to God. What are we, what are we recognizing here? That uh, an understanding of the reality that God's desiring for us to labor is going to keep us from an idle, wasted life one day when we stand before God. I'm so glad I was raised in a Christian home where uh, we, we understood that, that it took work for God's people uh, to see a ministry move forward. Oh, we had bus routes in those days, and boy, that took three hours of my Saturday as a teenager. Uh, We had all kinds of things that were going on all the time. Can I tell you something? It took work. It took work. It takes work of the people of God to see the work of God move forward. But most importantly, it protects us from standing before the Lord empty-handed. Think about that song, We'll Work Till Jesus Comes laboring for our Savior. What a privilege we have to do just that. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5 for just a moment. Here's a warning that Paul was, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing to young Timothy. And he's writing about these younger widows in verse number 11. I'm going to go back to verse number 10. This is a description of those that ought to be cared for by the church family. uh, Well reported of. Uh, For good works. Notice the emphasis there. If she hath brought up children, if she hath lodged strangers, if she hath washed the saints' feet, if she hath relieved the afflicted, if she hath diligently followed every good work. What's it saying? It's saying that those that are being cared for in a church ministry, uh, they need to be laboring for God. And here the focus is on uh, giving of oneself in a lot of different areas. Uh, Why? Why should they diligently follow every good work? Verse 11, but the younger widows refuse. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry having uh, damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And with all they learn to be, verse 13 is what I want to emphasize, idle wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Do you see the difference between just wasting your time and going through life and then be diligent as a servant of God? What a contrast. What's going to happen one day? Well, uh, the idle ones will be ashamed. I'm so glad for a ministry here on this platform every week. I don't have to think about this platform. I know who comes in, and they dust every bit of it and take care of it. There's nowhere in this building I can't look and see people busy, laboring, working, whether it's the offices or the kitchen. Uh, I mean, I, I hope I haven't forgotten anybody, but literally this week we had men here six days painting. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We have, we have men that come and give hours and hours of their time. They're not idle, <laughs> they're busy. And what a blessing that uh, because of that work ethic, uh, they will be able uh, to stand before the Lord if their work is for God, if it's a work of faith, as we found from First Thessalonians chapter number one. So it protects us from an idle life. Let B, it produces a godly testimony. So from verse number 11, going back there to 1 Thessalonians 4, we see the emphasis of their labor, their working with their own hands. But verse 12 goes on and says that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without. You know, a lazy Christian is a lousy testimony for the Lord. And I don't care what venue it is. The hardest working people on this planet at any job ought to be the Christian. The Christian ought to be the one that is head and shoulders above all the rest. I, I, it, it seems like just yesterday I was working in the steel mill at Ryerson there off of the 41 freeway in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And there I was at the steel mill. I would be chastised by union bosses because I was working too hard. They, they, they'd tell me, slow down. they tell me, you're taking food out of my kid's mouth. What's wrong with you? Uh, what was wrong with me is I, I, I was raised to have a work ethic, and with that work ethic, you just give a fair day's work, all right, for that fair wage. That's just right. It's right for anybody, whether you know God or not. But for a Christian, boy, to be amongst the lazy and amongst the crew that's the cutting the corners and amongst amongst the crew that's always finding a reason not to work. Can I tell you that your testimony in this world is, is, uh, is hindered? That ye may walk honestly toward who? Toward them that are without or that are not believers. Say, I need to have a good work ethic for, for lost people around me. Why? So they can say, why do you work so hard, Russ? And Russ is able to say, oh, because I'm a Christian. And I love God. And the Bible says, "Whatsoever my hand find it to do? I'm going to do it with all my might. That's the scripture. And I can give glory to God. I can deflect praise and honor to Him. Uh, and I, I tell you, uh, Christians ought to be the ones that are getting promoted. Christians ought to be the ones that are, 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 are boy, they'd hate to see you leave. Uh, after uh, working for a, a full year, my last year, I was getting ready to... Um, really finishing out my, my senior year at, uh, at Maranatha back in Wisconsin years ago, and uh, I was working about 45 miles away from the school, and I just didn 't know how I could do it. It was just too, too, too great of a distance. And uh, as I uh, gave my two-week notice and I left in the dormitory, they called me up, management at the Inland Steel there in Milwaukee. they called me up and they said, "We have to have you back." And I said, "Listen, I'm going to school." And I said, listen, just tell us what you need. And I said, what do I need? I said, I don't want to fall asleep at 2 in the morning driving back to Watertown, Wisconsin. And they said, OK, find somebody. We'll hire him. We'll pay him such and such an amount an hour. And um, I think back in those days, a minimum wage was two-something, and it was a $10 offer to a college student, which is you know four times the going rate. Uh, and I picked one of my friends, and I said, would you come? And, and they said, you hire him on the spot. He can drive for you. And I didn't know that. My uncle was there as a foreman. He said, they were grooming you to move up into the, uh, in, the, in the offices, and they didn't want you uh, to go into ministry, and they wanted to keep you there at Inland Steel. That's a good testimony. That's what you want. You want to be wanted, all right, even by a secular world. They don't understand it, but they do know hard work, Right? And, and God's desiring for us to have an honest report, a good report, and, uh, and it produces a godly testimony. All the blessings that come here just because uh, one day when we stand before the Lord, we can hear, well done, now good and faithful what? Servant, what does that imply? <laughs> Everybody wants to hear, well done, but they don't want to hear, well done for what? For your service, for your labor, for your work. God's not going to say, well done, you know, for your idleness. Well done for your laziness. <laughs> well done for your cutting corners. It's not the well done. And, and, and it ought to be in, in all the areas of our life that we just ask God to help us to build that work ethic within our hearts. And then it goes on, let us see. Uh, also not only does it protect us from an idle life it produces a godly testimony but let us see it's a provider for our needs and I'm going to add this and the needs of others look at verse 12 the end of the verse what does it say and that uh, them that are without and that ye may have lack of what? nothing I, I have found that those people that just know how to work do not lack They look for opportunities to labor. And through their work ethic, there is a blessing that comes materially, financially. Who's going to get the raise? It's going to be that one that's not the idler. They're not going to give that guy, oh, yeah, we just, boy, we're so excited here that you waste company time. Uh, We're going to give you a raise uh, so that you can waste more time. Uh, That's not how the world thinks. And, and, and so for us, we, we need to recognize that God's trying to help us just understand how uh, really the basic needs of life can be provided for. And, and we understand that God's the one that gives us the strength and the wisdom and the help so that we can do the work that God calls us to do. He's the enabler. He strengthens us. But, oh, how we ought to have uh, that work ethic. All right, so that goes with our Labor Day weekend Uh, That God would just help us to see that in his labor, his work, he needs labors. And uh, that we would be ready and willing to serve God. You know, it is not uh, something uh, that uh, is um, not worthy of the God that we serve. He is worthy. And he's desiring here to accomplish his work. Ever notice how many times Jesus referred to the work? The work. I've not come to do my work, but the work of the Father that sent me. And to finish his work. Jesus was not idle, Jesus labored. And he allowed us to see an example of laboring for our God. All right, number two, the word watching the believer watching. Quickly, and uh, these are just five facts here concerning the return of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And a familiar passage, but not one that we want to skip from verse number 13, uh, right on through the last uh, end of the chapter. The first word, just right in the word revelation. The Bible tells us here concerning this text that we're not to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Again, this young body of believers, he's comforting them. Uh, In the congregation, somebody's passed away. I just found out today on Facebook that someone that I'd known for decades just passed away. Uh, One of the dads of a teenager when I was a youth pastor many, many years ago. And uh, a godly man, a man that uh, was a real blessing to our family, Brother Romke, and, uh, and uh, he had just visited his daughter in Watertown, Wisconsin. He was making his way across the country, and they lost touch with where he was. And uh, this morning the news came that uh, in his, he used a travel trailer. He traveled all over everywhere, but he was, uh, went home to be with the Lord in his sleep in the trailer uh, in Oklahoma. And uh, to be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. Uh, And what a wonderful comfort that is for us that know God. So what do we have here? First of all, uh, it's a revelation. Look at verse 15. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord. You know, all that we have concerning the Lord's coming is it's revealed to us from God. He's the one that allows us to see this glorious truth. And I know the average person, if you talk to them today, they kind of go, that's a strange strange concept, that, that God could come and you would vanish. That's, that's a tough thing for uh, someone that's not familiar with the Scripture, is not a believer, uh, is just someone out there. You talk about, yeah, Jesus could come today, and they're going to look at you like a loony. Uh, and, it, and yet we realize that the truth that we're teaching tonight is based on the revelation of God. It's based on His Word, the Word of the Lord. And it's the Word of God here that teaches us about the coming of the Lord. Uh, As we uh, reflect here on this revelation, uh, we recognize that Jesus spoke about uh, life, death, uh, the return, the angels even at the ascension of Jesus Christ, remember? Uh, Why stand ye here gazing? Uh, This same Jesus shall come again in like manner as you've seen him go, right? And uh, and, and we have instruction from the word of God concerning just as Jesus left in the clouds, he's coming back in the clouds. Listen, if somebody says, hey, Jesus is uh, uh, in uh, Salt Lake City. Let's go see Jesus. You'd have to say, I'm not making a trip. Why? Because I'm not going to meet Jesus in Salt Lake City and I'm not going to meet Jesus in New York and I'm not going to meet Jesus in Paris. Jesus is going to be in the air and He's going to call us to be with Him in the air. And, and, and this is revealed to us. The revelation comes directly from the Word of God. Everything I need to know about life, death, a new life, uh, this, this resurrected body, uh, the body that Jesus has, this glorified body, I receive by revelation from the Word of God. By the way, I don't need to hear it from a little child that went to heaven and came back. Stay away from that stuff. I don't need to hear it from somebody that had this deathbed experience and now they're writing all about it. All right? Uh, the revelation of the Word of God is the final authority. That's it. That's, this, this is what I need. What God says about things uh, that are yet to come. All right. So the second word, when we look at this watching, is not just that uh, it's coming by the word of the Lord, but also uh, the actual return. And I'd like to read verse number 14 and 15. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep. So this is the return. This had to be heavy on the heart of these believers because it seems like every chapter, the Apostle Paul ends with a little word about the coming of the Lord here in 1 Thessalonians, this little letter. For instance, in chapter number 1, look at verse number 9 and 10. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. That is packed with wonderful truth. First of all, it, it gives us the understanding that there's a deliverance. We're waiting for Jesus to come, and there's a deliverance from wrath that's about to come. All right, and I know there's a lot of theories about when Jesus Christ is coming, mid-trib, pre-trib, post-trib. Can I tell you here, this verse in itself lends us to believe that for the church, that God is sparing us from this wrath that's to come, that we're looking for Jesus. Paul isn't looking for the Antichrist. He is looking for Jesus, all right? And, and, and oh, that we would recognize in the scripture here that this, what is called Jacob's trouble, the tribulation in the Old Testament, Jacob's trouble, Jacob is a picture of Israel. You know, Israel is what uh, the nation that rejected Jesus as the Messiah. And really what you have in the tribulation is you have a call for Jewish people to be saved. 144,000 Jewish evangelists that are going to cover this planet And they're going to hear the gospel again. And many are going to be swept into the kingdom of God. But this is Jacob's trouble. This is seven years of of tremendous tribulation that will take place. And and the Bible gives us this this comfort as uh, we just see uh, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. All right? Um, He snatches us away. Matter of fact, if you look at where the ecclesia is in the book of Revelation, it's pretty interesting. The churches are mentioned in chapter 2 and 3. The word ecclesia is the word church in the Greek. And then there's an absence. There's a, a come up hither. There's a, there's a come up to the throne. Look at the 20 and 4 elders and look at their casting their thrones. What a marvelous picture there of the believer's Before the throne of Jesus Christ. And what's going to take place during those seven years? Well, uh, you've got the the judgment seat. And you have the great uh, uh, white. uh, uh, I'm sorry, not the great white throne at that time. But you're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. Oh, what a blessing. Uh, And then we're going to come back with him. uh, As he returns uh, to this earth. So there is this return that is mentioned. Uh, Chapter number 2, look at verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? you see where his focus is? It's not on, boy, look at what's going on around you, but look up, your redemption draweth nigh, looking for the Lord, looking for his return. Chapter number 3, look at verse number 11. Now God Himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you, to the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Ah, what a what a comfort. What a comfort. And then chapter four, the very last word comfort one another with these words. Oh, how he's desiring for them not only to see uh, that it's all by revelation that we know about this coming of the Lord, but uh, the emphasis is on this return. Also, number three, the word resurrection. Let's go back to chapter 4, verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, with a trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. This is the resurrection. And we don't have time to go into uh, all of this, but there will be a second resurrection. And the blessing is on those that are part of the first resurrection, those that died in the Lord. And uh, Brother Romke is going to be a part of that resurrection, that first resurrection. Uh, and, uh, and uh, all those that you know and that you love that have gone on before. You know, the older we get, the, the more funerals are going on all around us. <laughs> folks our age, folks a little younger than us, folks a little older than us. It seems like as you get older, you just, you know, put it in your calendar, all right? Got a, got a funeral I'm going to get ready to go to because somebody that is in my sphere uh, just uh, either went off uh, into eternity, step through eternity's door here, uh, through Christ, they're, they're with the Lord, and, uh, and if they don't know Christ, hell. So we have this resurrection that's spoken of here in the Scripture, and uh, God's desiring for us to uh, recognize that the world's going to mock it. The Athenians did in Acts chapter 17, verse 32, when Paul preached the resurrection, but we still preach it, right? Uh, there were even religious people in Paul's day, uh, all right, uh, the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection, a bodily resurrection. Pharisees did. Uh, so uh, all different individuals throughout the scripture. And yet for the believer, uh, we have this wonderful uh, truth from First Corinthians chapter 15. By the way, that's the resurrection chapter. Uh, let me have you uh, go there for just a, a little bit. There's so many wonderful verses in this chapter, but I want to direct you here to uh, verse number 35. But some men may say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may uh, chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. This is an interesting picture of the resurrection. You say, well, is my whole body going to be just recreated just as it is? I hope not, because... I'm on that 30-day whole cleanse, and I'm trying to change that body, right? No, uh, we're, we're going to receive a glorified body, but the picture is more of the seed that brings forth a new fruit, right? Now, we're going to be able to be recognized, but it's not going to be an identical body. Um, matter of fact, Jesus wasn't quite recognized in his glorified body, was he? I mean, he he was as he spoke and as he acted there, uh, as he prepared breakfast for those fishermen. When Peter said, "I go fishing," said John twenty-one, and and it wasn't quite that And then somebody said, "Oh, it's the Lord." You know, we're going to be in heaven, and you're going to look at, I know that person, you know, and, oh, it's you, you know, and and, and here the Bible's giving us just little nuggets and pictures about this resurrection. By the way, the first fruits comes here into play in this chapter as well, where Jesus was the first fruit back in the uh, offerings there, where they would do that wave offering, the first fruit offering, uh, the promise that there's a harvest that's yet to come. That was all a picture of one thing, that Jesus is going to rise first, and there's a There's another harvest coming of those that will be raised. And that's you and I. If we die in the Lord, uh, we're going to be a part here of this resurrection. So the resurrection, wonderful passages all throughout the Scripture are found here. Uh, Fact number four, the word rapture. Now, of course, the word rapture itself is not in the Bible, but the concept is uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse number 17. That we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Uh, It's a Latin word, rapto, meaning to carry off. And uh, we use this word rapture to try to describe here uh, what the Word of God is saying as, uh, uh, as there is, uh, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Uh, Dr. Kenneth Wiest in his Wiest Word Studies uh, describes the different Greek words that uh, are this concept of caught up. And they're very instructive. In Acts 8.39, you have Philip uh, being snatched away there as he had witnessed to the Ethiopian and the Ethiopian was uh, saved uh, to catch away speedily. These are all descriptive terms to what happens at the rapture, that speedily, all right, you're going to be snatched away. It's like one moment he's there, next moment he's gone. And, uh, and that's exactly what's going to happen here uh, in the life of uh, the believer. Uh, another time, we find it in John 6, verse 15, To seize by force a picture of the fact that some Christians uh, are going to be like old Lot. They're really in this world. And those old angels, remember, had to grab the hands and had to literally drag them out. But seizing by force. You belong to God. And uh, oh, that we would understand here that that's not the way we want to go. We want to go anticipating and ready to meet our Savior um, uh, to claim for one's own the concept of the bride that belongs to the Lord and that He's uh, going to come uh, and retrieve that bride that has no spot, no wrinkle, uh, to, to take us to be with Him. I love the picture of Isaac uh, and a bride for Isaac and a marvelous picture in the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit uh, gathering a bride uh, for the Son. Uh, with Isaac being a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and Abraham a picture of God the father and and uh, the unnamed servant uh, the Holy Spirit of God that 's sent out to gather a bride for the son and it 's a marvelous picture as they come back on camels they, they on their journey in the midst of their return, uh, here the unnamed servant is answering all the questions here uh, about who this who this uh, man is that is to be. Uh, your husband, and uh, how, how the Holy Spirit there, Eliezer, I believe, uh, but it's unnamed in that particular passage. Uh, what is he doing? He's talking all about Isaac. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ, glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of these are pictures of the uh, coming of the Lord uh, to move to a new place. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. To rescue from danger, Acts 23. The suggestion there that the church will be taken home before the time of tribulation that will come on the earth. And I know good people disagree. And, uh, and somebody's going to get surprised, right? It's like, oh, that's the Antichrist, you know? Or, boy, uh, I, I'm with the Lord, you know? What happened to the tribulation I was going to go through part way or all the way? Who knows? Uh, but, you know, the, the reality is that, that God here has provided for us uh, this truth to comfort us. Comfort one another with these words. And then lastly, the reunion. The reunion. And it'll be a wonderful, wonderful reunion. When we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's folks that I know now in my life that have been in heaven 50 years. I think to them it's probably been just a blink of an eye. I think to them they're, they're, they're so overwhelmed here with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be honest, I don't think they're thinking or worrying too much about what's going on down here or me. I mean, they are enraptured with this savior the lord jesus christ and the home that he's prepared for them and he's coming with them in the clouds and so when we're raptured we're gonna get raptured yes and there's the lord but it's not just the lord there's grandpa and grandma and aunt and uncle and neighbor and boy there's that faithful deacon and there's that former pastor and here's my brothers and my sisters that knew the Lord that have gone on before. Boy, what a reunion that's going to be. I mean, we, we, we live for reunions. We love it. Our brother Nick had a little bit of a reunion this week with your birthday. And uh, just mom coming in, sister coming in. It's fun to be around those that we love. And yet, can you imagine that final reunion with all those that we have known and loved that have gone on to be with the Lord? godly deacon that when my dad passed away, I was 11 years old, that kind of took that role of, of providing some kind of a male influence in my life. His name was Helmut, what a good German name, Helmut Steckman, and uh, I, I was pretty rowdy and, and uh, pretty ornery, and uh, yet thank God for a godly deacon in our local church that just loved on me in spite of all my goofiness and rebellion and he's in heaven and it's going to be a sweet reunion uh, my dad um, I have lived now 12 years longer than my dad lived on this earth which, which is astounding to me <laughs> you know uh, that my dad was that young first of all when he, when he died uh, but that I've lived a dozen years beyond what he was able to live and there's a reunion day coming godly deacon love God Uh, loved his family, loved his Lord. And what a reunion that is going to be, an everlasting uh, celebration and uh, a wonderful time. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What What a wonderful promise. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the Teaching and Preaching Ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.